Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets added Darius Baisley into the front court situation. What do we expect for his role to be with the Brooklyn Nets? How does it impact players like one Dayron Sharp? We break down his expectations coming into the upcoming season next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. It is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner-operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrecht breaking down the ever-anxiety-ridden situation with Saquon Barkley and the New York Football Giants on the One Giant Podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms. And Doug... My goodness, now that Summer League is officially over for the Brooklyn Nets, we can kind of back ourselves up a couple of days to where the Nets did add, on a one-year contract, the name on everyone's lips, Darius Baisley, as we'll talk about what the expectations are for a young player who obviously we want to see the Nets do this. Get younger, this is a young guy that has at least some upside still for his career. Yeah, for sure. We'll get into Baisley's game here in a bit, but I mean, the the signing follows along a trend that we've seen this offseason, like you said, which is the Nets just tr- getting younger, and they ne- they desperately needed to do this. They desperately needed to start taking some swings, um, both on like sort of the positive side of the age curve and just like sort of the upside curve, just based on where their draft capital or lack thereof is going to be here in the next couple of years. And the Baisley signing goes along sort of with the Dennis Smith Jr. and to some degree Lonnie Walker and some of these other and the draft picks, too, of this, the moves that the Nets have made. So, you know, we'll talk about what kind of impact Baisley could or might not make, you know, or, you know, what to be what were the realistic expectations for him. But on the on a high level, it's encouraging to see that this was sort of the, the direction we thought the Nets had to go. Mm -hmm. at least to try with Sean Marks and company. And sometimes the names are more exciting than others, but this is definitely like the theme that they should have been leaning into and they are. Yeah. And we, we threw out so many, or at least I I know I didn't you as well, but like, I I always look for young players, even when the nets were with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I still say, Hey, let's get some young players in here. But when you, you hear it name like Baisley, it may not be the first name. It may not be the fifth name, but so many of these guys just fall into the category of, Take a look, take a shot. And you mentioned about the Nets needing to get younger. I think when you look at the roster, and we don't know how things are going to unfold here, potentially with Miami and maybe the Nets picking up Tyler Hero. But when you look at a Royce O'Neal, when you look even at a Dorian Finney-Smith, who, while he's on the team-friendly contract, the age does not line up necessarily here. The Nets could be a year away from essentially needing to get another two or three bodies in the door. Now, will Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith Jr., will you know Darius Baisley, will will these guys end up being key members of this Brooklyn Nets roster two or three years from now? Maybe not. But if you're not trying to prepare ahead, right? You cannot wait until next offseason to start to explore these guys. So th- this does fit, I think, the timeline, um, whether or not the Nets and Sean Marks have fully expressed it outwardly. It fits the timeline of this up- upcoming season is a little bit of a gap year for us, and we need to make sure that we take flyers on enough guys so that we can check a couple of boxes, hopefully ahead of schedule, going to next year's offseason and draft class. 
And look, and while this is a different coaching group than we saw before, that was the Kenny Atkinson crew. crew but I will mm-hmm. say the theme here is the same. Also, is that like they have a develop player development heavy staff, right? That was the case when they had Kenny Atkinson too, and that was a time where the Nets had put together what I'll call some reclamation projects from guys who were either in bad situations or situations where they had no opportunity. And sometimes in the NBA, the opportunity can be as much the story as anything else, right? Like you just Mm -hmm. go into a situation where the minutes just weren't going to be there for you and you're not getting enough reps. And then it's hard to really develop. And like, you know, the Nets have guys like this, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, like there were dudes to some degree, D'Angelo Russell, right? There were dudes that just needed more opportunity and like a player development sort of mindset among the organization in order to flourish. All those guys left the Nets significantly richer than when they came, right? And so, <laughs> also true, and, yeah. <laughs> and so, and again, the staff now is different, but the themes are the same. And so, when you get a guy like Baisley, who again, we'll talk about his games here in a second, but when you get a guy like him, it, it, you can kind of see, like, as opposed to going, as opposed to like if he went to somewhere, I don't know, I'll make up a team. Like, if he went to somewhere like the Warriors, let's say, right? right. Like, that's not a team that's like, heavy on development right now they're heavy on win now right like mm-hmm. so it's going to be very and to some degree the suns as well right this the, where he was coming from these teams where it was just like hey you're gonna we gotta win now either you're ready to do it now or you're not and that's gonna be tough like that's gonna be tough for some guys to really flourish because they're just not totally ready he's very he's still very young he's only 23 years old like and by the way just turned 23 right so it's not like he's gonna turn 20 he'll be 23 this entire entire season um there are players like this that you just needed more. They just needed more time on the court, more attention, more spe- specificity around their game. And with, as an organization, taking chances on guys like Baisley, essentially what you're doing is you're, t- you know, the whole, it's like sort of venture capitalism. It's like, hey, they're not all going to be winners. The hope is what the, when the, you get them on the young part of the curve, you get one out of every five or ten. That, are, yeah. that really that really win, right? Like, like the venture capital operates the same way. It's like everyone knows it's not all going to work out, but you're betting, you're making sometimes like relatively small bets to hit huge upside, knowing that some of these guys won't ever get there. I, I, to me personally, the Baisley thing to some degree, DSJ, like these guys all fit into that theme. And by the way, just as the note here uh, before we talk specifics on Baisley, remember, we, we just came out of the summer league where we were talking about Noah Clowney, an incredibly young player that obviously is a couple of years away. And whatever we think this role is going to be uh, for Darius Baisley with the Brooklyn Nets, when you look into the front court, you're, you're just sitting here and the potential of other maybe moves that are going to happen. You're just looking and saying, how do how are we going to guarantee that we have viable bodies. You mentioned this specifically when it was about, uh, we were talking about you know guys at the G League level and whether or not you give them the two-way contract, right? And I had brought up Jordan Hall, and you rightly reminded everybody, yeah, but you also need to make sure you have NBA viable bodies just in case you need someone to be brought up that you can look at consistently for some minutes. The question that we'll get into here in a second, along with what Darius Baisley's history has been in the league so far is, is he that guy? Now, he's on a full one-year deal with the NBA team. What are the expectations for Darius Baisley? And how does it impact the way it looks like the Brooklyn Nets are going to approach lineup construction going to the upcoming season? We'll dive in on that in just a second. 
All right, before we get to that, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. You want to get on the daily fantasy action, but you do not want to wrangle with the salaries. You do not want to go up against some of those sharks in the water. You want to be able to just go get up against some projections, go more or less, and sort of call it a day. Bring your knowledge into the situation and have a little fun doing it. That is where Prize Picks comes into the mi- comes into the mix. I got there. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made very very easy. All you're doing is on Prize Picks is picking two to five players, uh, whether they're going to go more or less on those Prize Picks projections, and you can win up to twenty five times your money on every entry. Now M- or NBA kind of drawn to a close here. They did have. I mean, just so you know how finally prize pick slices that they had a ton of summer league action so you know when nba comes around it's really going to be coming at you in the meantime get over there for some of the mlb stuff they got everything they got pitcher strikeouts home runs singles doubles triples stolen bases you're all it's all there for you over on prize picks they got the pga as well as we enter some more major season go and check it out like i said they made this very very simple all you got to do right now, you download the Price Picks app or you go to pricepicks.com. You sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You got to use the promo code LOCKED ON, just like our podcast network. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. Go for $50. Price Picks give you $50. You can figure out all the other different combinations. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Okay, so Darius Baisley, originally selected, by the way, by the Utah Jazz in the 2019 uh, NBA draft first rounder, but he ends up ultimately being in um, OKC for the start of his career. You mentioned it about how he is a young player, just turned 23 last month. So he will be young and among, I think you had actually tweeted this out, fifth youngest player on the Brooklyn Nets fifth roster, youngest. I think at this point. Yeah, yeah which so, is crazy, which is crazy if you think about like where this, <laughs> this is just really a testament to where the roster is going. I know we're going to talk about Baisley here, but just yep. the, the overall roster, they don't have any guys entering the season above the age of 30, right? That's Dinwiddie, DFS, and O'Neal are 30. Everyone else is like mostly a, like three years or a lot, or at least three years or a lot younger. So yeah, yeah when you look at this, uh, when you look at this age, the groups and, and their ages, yeah, fifth youngest, and that includes the guys they just brought in here from the draft. And by the way, you're right. And yes, Noah Clowney, obviously being super young, but fifth youngest on the roster comes in the league in 2019, 20. He does have 228 games underneath his belt. Um, when we just talk about, we'll break down where we think he fits in and, and how it impacts the roster. The thing that I just immediately go to and dream a little dream that he can get back there again is what he was in those first two seasons for OKC. Now, the second season, the volume is there. The percentage is not. He hit almost 35% from beyond the arc in his rookie season, playing in 61 games, starting nine, 18 minutes per. It's consistently gone away from that, especially over this last year. He went from OKC and then to Phoenix. He was only taking a little bit north of one three-point attempt uh, per game. On that basis alone, he's only a 31% shooter. Do you think that one of the primary functions that drew the Brooklyn Nets to him with the developmental coaching staff is, hey, if we can get this perimeter shot back in line, there's at least a sample size that says he's capable, that's the mold of player that we want to be inserting into the front court at a power forward position for us. And we've seen kind of that, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith is, that's what you'd like him to be primarily. And the Nets desperately across the board need more consistent perimeter shooting and need perimeter shooting from the bigger players on this team. 
Yeah, look, that you know, through the in the three and D wing era, it's all about the the wings, the the wings that can hit threes, and it's hard, right? Yep. Like when you're of this body archetype and when you're of this kind of style, um, when that's really what you're only going to be asked to do, it's why these guys are so so valuable and why it see it can sometimes seem like there are tons of them, but then it can seem like there are not many that are great, right? Like yep. there's there, and and there's guys that can sort of do it all like Paul George and guys like this that are Durant obviously was on the team forever. There's those guys. Then there's the guys that sort of like end up swapping teams a lot because everyone kind of needs them, but they're never going to get paid tons like Jeff Green, Jay Crowder, the guys like this, right? Then you just have this group of dudes who everyone kind of hopes they can get there (laughs) and you kind of hope that the shooting can get there. And for some it does. And for some it doesn't. And the guys that does get really, really paid and the guys that it doesn't, they kind of end up getting swapped around for a bunch of years in the league because you're still dreaming on the length and the athleticism and stuff. You know, having looked at where Baisley's like sort of core strengths come from, mm-hmm. I think there is a hope that he can become sort of like this outside shooter. If you look at the shot chart stuff, he took actually like a lot of above the break threes, which I was kind of a surprised about um, just because usually these are like stand in the corner guys, right? Like stand in the corner. If the like PJ Tucker, if the ball comes to you, shoot. Yep. Otherwise, do not do a single thing on offense, right? Like, that's that yep. group of guys. Baisley's definitely not that group. He was really active in, around the perimeter with OKC. These were tanking OKC teams, so take this with a grain of salt. But very active. They would kind of run him in, like, mini pick-and-roll stuff and have him moving around the perimeter. The, uh, the threes did end up getting spread out more around the entire arc than just a stand alone. Mm-hmm. That those are tougher shots, right? The team's bad and the, and the team's not that good. And those shots can be a little tougher, the catch and shoot stuff. And you're going to hope that then they're going to be a little easier on the net side. That may or may not be the case, but yes, the dream here is that the perimeter shooting will come around. We'll talk about here in a sec. Like what are some of the other like highlights of his game? But yeah, like for, from where the nets are concerned, that would be the, like the Udawatanabe thing. It's like, Hey, can you hit? Yes. I'm making threes, like, you know, catch lightning in a bottle. Great. He's probably, Got a chance to be more dynamic than Yuta, but prop, but is for sure a way we're a shooter right now. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 100%. And the, the thing is, too, because you just talk about the different areas of his game. And I mean, just from a pure statistics standpoint, again, I think the Brooklyn Nets look at the early two seasons of his career and think, can we get him back there? Because another one that would be alarming, just if we're throwing everything on the table here for him, the free throw shooting has just absolutely dumpstered over the course of his career. He cannot, he started out being a 69, 70% shooter and then has precipitously dropped off 68 and then splitting time between OKC and Phoenix, 55 and 40%. Now, the, the one thing I always wonder about with young players too, and hopefully Baisley falls in this category for the Nets is when you are a young player and you come into the league, getting minutes and consistency like that matters, right? Whether or not OKC was bad, just being having the volume of reps saying, yeah, above the break, above the break threes, I got there. Take them, right? Because it doesn't matter. It's not impacting our wins and losses necessarily. As things progress and your role starts to get marginalized, it does become more difficult to find that rhythm game over game. Yudo Watanabe, actually, you mentioned it. Like he's a good example. When he was getting inserted into the lineup all the time for the Nets, there was. It was like, hey, all right. And with some stars on the floor, the open threes, they're falling. He's finding the space. Everything's clicking. Then in the post-trade era, even even though he ended up being buried on the bench, you saw it over time. And that can be him regressing to the mean as well. But just as he starts to lose a consistent role, then his consistency starts to fall off. So yeah, I don't want to set too high of an expectation for Baisley, but 
at least you feel like if he can correct himself back to what he was as a prospect coming in, he's still young enough where you could see an upside here. And this is, by the way, a reminder, a one-year contract. They put him, he's on the roster. He's occupying a spot. This wasn't a flyer two-way guy. I assume that he's going to have some carved out minutes here, depending on how things shake out behind Dorian Finney-Smith and potential trades that could happen here in the coming weeks. Yeah, I, this is going to be hard to know. Sometimes these things get ironed out a little bit uh, in the preseason where you start to see, yeah. um, just start to see like sort of what the overall expectations are. And if you're like around what you said, if you feel like they're going to need to add wing depth because other some of these guys are going to be on the move, then he probably does fit the sort of flyer that you want to take, can guard threes and fours, is athletic. I mean, like if you watch his stuff, right? I mentioned the three-pointers. He's got above the rim stuff for sure. Like he's a he's a high flyer. Um, his transition game is pretty good. He finishes mostly with the left a little, but can finish a little bit with the right with contact. His entire shot chart is threes in restricted area. He does not finish really that well in the restricted area. But I think again, part of that was because I think OKC envisioned him as more than just a three and D guy. They did let him cook a little bit at times. It just didn't really look all that great at times. <laughs> but <laughs> right. it was more than just like a, again a, a stationary guy like they wanted to see if they could get him into the flow of the offense um even as like sometimes as an initiator it just wasn't all that pretty when it happened again i i don't suspect the nets are going to let him cook either <laughs> like like it was happening in phoenix but i'm just pointing this out because there was a little more to this game than just what you think about when you think about three and D guys. Like there are, there are other parts of his game. Like he would get into the mid range every once in a while, but yeah. So I think it's just interesting from that standpoint because he just doesn't, I know everyone wants to just say, Hey, he's a wing, but he's, he, I I think he profiles on it's like absolute ceiling to be a little more dynamic than some of these other, like Watanabe was never like, I'm just using this as a guy because he was just with the nets and he's not there anymore. Watanabe is like not a perfect comp here, but I'm using it to say Watanabe, like his flaws were really evident. It was, he's like, hey, shoot, stand there, shoot threes. And that's kind of what, that's kind of it, right? I will, th- I do think Baisley on his best days can be more than that. But that kind of guy needing to be like that can offer you significant downside because you, because it may be like he wants to overdo what he can't do. And that can be problematic. Right. And I think that actually right. was some of his problem in, in OKC was that it's just like, it sort of looks good. It passes the eye test, but then when you actually look at the numbers, it doesn't look that good. Does that make sense? Like, Because I, I, yeah, I think well, that's kind of the story. And again, I know we're using a not one-to-one comp, but like you say, with 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 Yuta Watanabe, it was always do the thing that we need you to do. And again, expectation to the team, right? And don't you don't have to do anything else. I think you apply the same thing to Darius Baisley. We have a role that we like for you. We want you to try to function highly at that. And then if you're executing well, you can allow you have the upside, right, of being able to do that next little thing, or at least potentially grow that next skill set. Whereas other players, Yuta aside, you were never necessarily going to dream on. Well, maybe he'll take a guy off the dribble, right? Maybe he'll be X for us. No, there's a very specific role coming up here in a second. Then let's take a look at how Darius Baisley fits into the rotation here, and I'll pose the question around: Are the Brooklyn Nets once again gearing up for some small ball lineups? 
Okay, so Darius Baisley obviously signed to the one-year contract for the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to continue, by the way, throughout this offseason to talk about that last remaining roster spot, any updates around trades. And then coming up on our next episode, oh, that delicious tease we have, Cam Thomas. Is this guy getting minutes? Be sure that you are subscribed on YouTube and the podcast so you don't miss out on what Doug and I safely assume is going to be a contentious conversation with the fan base. But when they bring in Baisley, and I look at this, you look at two things. One, you look at the depth chart and you look at what he's done so far in the league and the age and the timeline for the Nets. And you think, okay, he's going to have an opportunity at least to do something here. It also is a little bit of a hedge around having some additional size. Again, not one-to-one skill sets, but we want Ben Simmons to be healthy. And if he is, well, then he occupies certain spaces for you on the floor defensively, offensively. Let's just have a safety net there. 111 defensive rating. Um, and while his, uh, this is for... Uh, Baisley, and while his offensive rating is not good in totality, he did spike up to 107 here in his last season. He's been progressively getting better on that end of the floor. I I do wonder. It looks like the Nets are going small ball again. <laughs> like It looks like they're going for some nice length at the wing positions, and then when we want to, we have options to put a lot of six, seven, eight, nine guys that don't have a lot of mass, but have at least a little bit more versatility than we've seen in years past. Does that pass the eye test for you when you pick up a player like Baisley? Well, it just doesn't pass the eye test. It just passed the roster test. Uh, like that's just what the roster <laughs> is. They, the roster. Don't, they yeah. don't have, they don't have anybody else. Like they don't have right. any, they don't have any other guys except for this. So, I mean, right. even if it didn't pass, I don't know how it wouldn't pass it. It's just the only options they have. They're entering another season where they don't have like sort of a, a, a I mean, outside of Claxton and I mean, have Claxton and Sharp. And that's kind of, that's kind of it. And they have a bunch of these like kind of three, four hybrid kind of guys that can probably fluctuate between those two positions. You know, this is just going to be a, short of just a, a massive move coming here. We're just going to see a lot of these almost for sure small ball lineups because they're, you know, let's say Claxton, we'll go over the Nets minutes at some other point here, but, you know, Claxton, yeah. if he's a 30-plus minute of the game, game guy, I'm not sure Sharp has shown you that he can play tons on every single night, night in and night yeah. out. And if they want to just do all switching all the time, then Sharp doesn't really fit because he's going to play drop and like that's just going to throw off the whole flow. What Nets fans are going to almost assuredly say here, and they are not wrong, is that the rebounding has been an absolute abject disaster for multiple seasons now, and we have yeah. yet more sign. We have more signings that don't don't do anything to you know negate that or to change that. I mean, the the, the, the I went through the the rebounding numbers the other day. I mean, it's like laughable. They're like they're there's below they're twenty seventh or below in every single rebounding stat for like multiple years on end. It's it's they get crushed on the glass. It's you see it with your eyes and it plays out with the stats. This doesn't solve that. I don't know what exactly solves that in totality, <laughs> except yeah. to just like try to throw as many guys at the rim as possible. But yeah, this this one just streams. Because even if he didn't play a lot. Even if Beasley played zero minutes, we would still see these a lot of these small ball five lineups because they just don't yeah. have any. They don't have many more outs. Yeah, and it's funny too when you bring up because um, I said it there at the top of the show. You mentioned a guy like Dayron Sharp, and you say, "Well, Beasley's not. He's not playing. You know, center. He's not. He's not going to be taken away." But it's not about that. He's taking away the role of Dayron Sharp. It's just about the Brooklyn Nets trying to construct five man lineups that offer them some flexibility and some versatility. And it's funny because. The same way we are talking about Baisley as a wing or power forward, maybe maybe he'll play at the five in a small ball lineup for the Nets. You know, can he get back that three point shot? That's the thing that he's at least shown he's capable of, and you want to try to push it back up again. 
we've talked about that since Dayron Sharp was drafted, right? Like if he can put together any semblance of a perimeter shot, well, then all of his high energy and the rebounding really comes to fruition. That's where these guys do feel similar because basically you're saying, hey, if you give me a consistent perimeter shot, the rebounding early in his career, even just from a, you know, gang team effort mentality, he had six and seven rebounds per game once upon a time in his career. So I think you're for the Nets, you're looking at him and saying, hey, whatever the minutes are, like you said, we'll, we'll talk about that in the offseason here. Ten, 10 minutes. Can you do the, the two or three things that we think you can do functionally well right now consistently? If you can do that, then there's the world where game over game, here's a little more Dayron Sharp, here's a little more Darius Baisley, right? Like the Nets are going to try to, I think, mix and match when it comes to the back end minutes when you just basically need to spell all of the accountable veteran starters. And the other big factor that I mentioned in there is Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons comes back and he's playing 25 minutes a night. Well, guess what? A lot of these guys don't matter. That includes Dayron Sharp in a lot of instances. Yep. If Ben Simmons needs more time, if Ben Simmons isn't healthy, then the Nets, it's not going to be great, but they're going to be saying, I've got 20 to 25 minutes that I need to fill now. And nobody on this roster, are they going to point at and go, and you're the guy, give me 25, right? It's going to be the sum of the parts. And it's so hilarious because every conversation with every guy kind of ends up coming back to back Simmons to in Simmons. some way. It's like, it's really kind of amazing. It, it really highlights how important of a guy, good and bad, like he is for the team because his specific skill set. By the way, we're going to talk about him with Cam Thomas too. Like, because they, because it's for a totally different reason, <laughs> but like they end up, he ends up being the sort of ultimate compliment to other guys deficiencies yep. even though he has major deficiencies of his own <laughs> it he, is like yeah but but the things he does well ends up really kind of like not matter having the other things for these other guys not matter as much so mm -hmm. i don't know like we are this will get this will get ironed out a little closer to training camp but the just in terms of like who's playing what and what the minutes are going to be in preseason but a guy like Baisley, to some degree, his his upside can kind of rest on the, on the on the fate of Simmons too, because the Nets could be staring at a situation where I mentioned the rebound. The other thing they could really struggle this year is offense. Like the offense could yeah. be brutal to watch. Be I, like, there, oh my god, I, it could it really could be. I, like, there's a world, and it's not hard to see it, where this offense is a is an absolute struggle bus. And <laughs> the <laughs> anyway, but but no. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, it's just, oh, just my last two quick, my last quick notes on Baisley, and then you can close this out. Is just, and it kind of iterates your point about defense versus offense. Really positive. I, I always love the numbers. He's in the 80th, fifth percentile when it comes to free throw rate. He gets there a lot. He's got to be able to knock them down. There's going to be a world where his versatile size helps him get to the line more. But when you look at him statistically, when you look at percentiles, everything deflections, defensive rebounds, rim defense, rim frequency, like block percentages all those things are actually great he's in the 80th and 95th percentile in a lot of these categories but that's defensive value and that only works if you're unlocking somebody else's offensive game maybe he starts to become a little bit of that two-way player all right we got a lot more coming up this week uh we're going to talk cam thomas and what the future might hold for him with some of these new signings we'll get into him specifically gotta talk a little joel Embiid. i mean he kind of threw out a little bit that there's a chance that he, philly is not his long-term future which is fascinating our boy jalen wilson second team all summer league not a whole show but we'll just give little props right there so he makes second team all summer league that news came in while we were recording here 
tons coming up here and a special guest also a huge name in Nets world so we got a lot lot coming up this week and probably even going to bleed over into next week make sure you're getting it all over on locked on nets youtube and locked on nets wherever you listen to podcasts uh i believe when you find love you hold on to it and you cherish it because there's nothing finer and it may never come again yes that's mr feeney again from boy meets world <laughs> Oh my God. It's a locked on Mr. Feeney podcast. And we get uh, one of the all time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.